Hey guys, I'm Sahil and I'm a co-founder of Paradigm alongside my friend and colleague Rahul. Together, we created Paradigm to prepare you for change. At Paradigm, we aim to educate you on topics that are essential yet neglected in school and university. These are topics that are essential when you make a transition to the real world. Um, just before we start, uh, we want to let you know that this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, YouTube and other pla- uh, podcast platforms. And be sure to check out our Instagram page at ParadigmEDU for more updates and our website paradigm.paradigmedu.org or paradigmedu.org for detailed understandings uh, of the topics we discuss. Today, I'm alongside Arnav, who is a specialist in the topic we'll discuss today and is a senior partner at Paradigm. Hey guys, Arnav. I'm Arnav. Yeah. And um, yeah, as Sahil mentioned, uh, I'm a senior partner here at Paradigm. Um, and pers- uh, and looking specifically at personal finance. Um, I'm a student at uh, year 13 um, in Dubai, studying in Dubai. And uh, yeah, I- I'm just looking forward to having a fruitful discussion with Aditya where I hope you guys can learn some stuff um, that's useful to you. Yeah, today we'll be discussing credit cards, credit scores, financial aid and student discounts with our guest Aditya. So if you don't mind Aditya, could you please introduce yourself to our viewers? Sure. Um, so thanks, Sahil. Thanks, Arnav. Um, you know, look. Thanks for having me. And um, you know, by way of introduction, I am a second-year MBA student uh, doing my MBA at Haas in Berkeley. Um, I spent five years between undergrad and business school working in payments with Mastercard. Um, and so, do have uh, you know, having lived in the U.S. and also some of my work experience being in payments and financial services more broadly. Um, I, I do have some experience with the uh, with the topics that we're going to be discussing today. So credit cards, student loans, discounts, financial aid, and so on. So looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, that's good. So let's start out. So when you started out, uh, when you went to the U.S. for your undergrad and then uh, your postgrad. So when you started out, how did you go about getting a credit card? Sure. So, uh, you know, I think, the, you know, one of the first things that most uh, international students uh, do when they when they reach the U.S. Uh, in this case, because I studied there, um, is uh, is you open typically a bank account with a local uh, domestic bank. Uh, in my case, I opened up a bank two check two accounts with Bank of America. One was a current or what they call a checking account. And then the other was a savings account. Um, and that's kind of the, the entry point into your banking relationship and almost serves as the foundation for anything that you get um, or that you'd apply for in the future. Um, having said that, I couldn't immediately get a credit card, uh, an, a U.S. issued credit card. So most issuers uh, in the U.S. Uh, and by issuers, I mean banks or financial institutions. Uh, most issuers require either a social security number. Uh, for which you typically need some kind of a job um, in place in order to get, uh, or they require an ITIN, which is an international tax identification number, which I think has another process associated with it. And so since I just joined, uh, you know, as a freshman, uh, without having a job, obviously, uh, it's very difficult to get a credit card. Um, And so I actually first got my US-issued credit card um, entering my senior year of college which was right after my internship or my summer internship between my junior and senior years. Um, so I applied through Bank of America because that's the bank that I had that banking relationship with for a credit card. Uh, and that again, you know, having that banking relationship 
really helped me in getting that credit card. Um, and again, I'll pause here because having said that, I know a lot of banks uh, today do have special, um, you know, opportunities to get uh, U.S. issued credit cards for international students. Uh, and you may be able to get those even before you have a social security number or a job. Right. Um, so that's interesting. And um, now we'd like to sort of look at if you're a student who's going to the U.S., would you even recommend that a credit card is, nece uh, is necessary for them to go with? So for example, could they also go with, could they sustain themselves with say a debit card or simply cash? Like is a credit card necessary? That's a good, no, it's a, it's a really good question. I think, um, you know, in a market that's as uh, mature or that, that really has a mature banking system and financial system like the US, you can certainly do without having a credit card. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a necessity uh, in any way. Um, you can use a debit card. There are enough ATMs all around at most major college campuses. Um, and so you certainly could, you know, get a, get by with a debit card and, and using cash. In fact, a lot of small merchants uh, in the US, if you go to these smaller grocery stores, you typically have a, a minimum spend that you need to hit before you can even use a card. And they typically have those minimum spends for credit cards because it costs them uh, more than it would cost them if they if you use a debit card, for instance, and obviously cash. Um, but that's, I think, a separate issue. I think the way I would look at it is, uh, you know, across, across two lenses. Um, if you're looking at it from a short-term perspective, um, what will happen is if you are planning to live in the U.S., um, you know, over the next few years, it will end up being incredibly helpful to have um, a, a credit card and to have some kind of credit history because, most applications for credit, like loans, uh, credit cards themselves, you know, most of these applications require an evaluation of your credit or borrowing history. And so in order to build that history, you need to have a credit card. Uh, and, and also in order to be considered an, app, you know, an attractive applicant, you have to have um, credit history that's attractive and high quality, which means you need to be paying your bills on time and, and all of that takes time. So I'd say definitely not a necessity, but uh, something that I would recommend, especially if you're planning to live in the U.S. and if you're looking at things from a short-term perspective. But I'd say, you know, even if you take a step back and look at things more broadly, from a longer-term point of view, at some point in your life, you're likely going to take out a loan, right? You're, you might take out a loan for a house, for a car, um, whatever it is. And at that point, you know, it, it, it just helps because this is the entry point to doing that, right? You build that habit of, um, you know, spending responsibly and then making sure that you pay off your of your your monthly credit card bill. Um, and then, you know, if you think about it, there are obviously added benefits to credit cards, which a lot of people look at. So, you know, be it the signing bonuses to getting credit cards uh, that a lot of banks offer, be it loyalty and rewards, right? So if you think about it, besides the fact that uh, you know, with a credit card, you, uh, you you have to make sure that you pay off your credit card bills every month. Um, the only real one of one of the big differences between a credit and debit card is that a credit card uh, will also give you like loyalty points and rewards. And I'd say that's if you are going to be responsible and make sure that you're paying off your bills every month, you could treat it almost you know identical to a debit card. Um, but that's again that's a big caveat, right? You need to be making sure that you're spending responsibly and um, you know, not just spending without, uh, without any care. Um, cash, I would say, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's, uh, you know, in some instances with smaller merchants and 
specifically for low value items and ticket sizes, uh, you might be required to use cash. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop here. But uh, if you have any questions related to this, happy to elaborate. No, I think um, I think it makes uh, a lot of sense. I like credit history is also a really important aspect that we will discuss um, uh, shortly. But I wanted to know, right? So going off your experiences, right? The first time you got a credit card, um, if you have any, I don't know, like if you had any doubts or regrets with that. Um, learning from experience, how would you recommend a student to get a credit card? Like, what process or track should they follow? Yeah, so you know, I think with this, it it really depends on um, you know the the individual student, but also on the individual bank that you're you know that you eventually go to to get a credit card. So um, in my case, I banked with Bank of America. Uh, for me, the process to get a credit card was quite straightforward, especially once I had a social security number. Um, you know, what obviously helped was the fact that I had a banking relationship with Bank of America already. So I didn't have to complete a lot of the paperwork that I would have had to if I was opening up a credit card um, for the first time. So uh, I'd say, you know, based on my experience, it is a pretty straightforward process to get a credit card. But what I would advise uh, international students going into this for the first time uh, would be uh, to make sure that you are you enter and, and again this is something that may really not be up to you it'll probably you know come from the bank side uh, they'll likely issue you the most basic entry point entry level credit card which is which is a good thing right so it might be a standard like cashback uh, cash rewards credit card where you get one two three percent uh, cashback based on spends on different categories so I'd say begin with that um, and then once you've built credit history for about a year, year and a half, you'll then be eligible to apply to some of the higher um, higher reward or higher value credit cards. And there are a lot of them out there, especially in the US. Great, yeah, that's actually quite comprehensive and quite useful. Um, but as Sahil mentioned, it's quite interesting that you had mentioned loans and credit history particularly, because this links rather strongly with the topic of credit scores. So tell us about credit scores. Why are they important? Sure. So, uh, you know, if you if you think about it, any, um, you know, the credit score is is, is one of the uh, key ways in which uh, people uh, and by people, I, you know, we could be talking about institutions, uh, we could talk, be talking about financial institutions, about uh, landlords, when you're looking to rent apartments, uh, when we're looking at, I mean, potentially even phone bills. So if you're taking out a phone plan in the U.S., um, if you do have a credit score or a prior credit score, which most international students don't, uh, you actually don't have to put in the big security deposit that's associated with opening up a new phone line. So I think in general, having a credit score is, is important for, for some of these reasons, right? Uh, it, it's really the, one of the key ways in which any of these institutions will evaluate your ability to pay back the credit that you're hoping to take out from them, right? Um, or make it's it's another way for them to measure risk and assess risk uh, because your credit score is meant to reflect the level of risk um, or, or the level of like credit standing that you have um, you know across all portfolios and across all holdings that you have um, and so I'll, I'll pause here but that's really why it's important uh, I think in the US uh, you have the FICO score, which is, uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's basically, it's, it's called your FICO credit score or your FICO credit report. And there are different agencies that provide you with those reports. 
Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, some of these agencies uh, actually provide you with up to one or two free credit reports a year. This is just purely out of interest. If you want to actually view your own credit score, you're able to do that. Uh, but then a lot of the uh, credit checks that happen on your credit scores will be initiated by, uh, by different parties, right? So if you're looking to rent an apartment, your landlord will, will initiate a background check. And as part of that, they will evaluate your credit score. So um, amongst, amongst other institutions as well. Yeah, I mean, touching up on you know, the importance of credit scores is quite important, like getting that awareness out there. And since uh, this is you know, targeted mostly to students who are going to uni who are, or, or students who are already in uni, you know, most of them would at most or at max have a student loan or, and a credit card or a debit card. So for them, um, you know, what would that credit score exactly entail? Yeah, I think so. So I would look at it. I would look at this. You know, I try and answer your question slightly differently. You have, um, you know, your credit score is typically driven by. I, I think it's five key factors, right? So, um, if you think about, uh, you know, the credit mix that you hold, which is kind of what you're referring to. So, having a student loan and having a credit card that represents, uh, uh, you know, your credit mix, right? Which might be. If your credit card has a limit of $10,000 and your student loan uh, is worth $90,000, then your credit mix is 10% um, credit card, 90% student loan. Uh, but I'd say the ultimate score um, is driven by five factors, one of which is credit mix, if that makes sense. So you have, uh, and I can touch a little, you know, talk a little bit about some of these factors, right? Um, I'd say the two key factors that affect your credit score um, are your payment history, which is the first thing that lenders will look at, right? So they'll say, uh, what they'll want to look at is, do you have a history of paying back your credit on time and not like a day late or a month late or being overdue there? Because that will negatively impact your credit score. And I believe your payment history accounts for something like 35% of your total credit. Um, to your total credit score. The other key factor that drives your credit score is the amount that you owe. Now that is a function both of the, the obviously the total outstanding balance of, of your credit across your different portfolios, which in this case was $100,000, but it's also a function of your level of utilization, right? So if we, if we just look at credit cards, right? Your credit card will typically have a limit of let's say $10,000, um, and, and that's just purely hypothetical, right? That'll vary from student and by issuer and also by type of card. Uh, so if you have a limit of $10,000, but you are spending on average uh, $2,000, right? So your utilization on that $10,000 limit is 20%. Uh, that, that's generally considered more positively as opposed to having uh, a limit of $10,000, but you spending $9,999 because for them, what's that what that's showing is that you're you're kind of at the upper end of that limit. So there's a risk that you basically exceed that limit, which again, I think I think some of these factors are pretty subjective and they would vary by issuer. So in some cases, I think that could be perceived by an issuer as okay, if this person's spending a lot, um, and let's say if they're paying back their credit on time, we may want to look at expanding their or increasing their credit limit. Um, and so those are two key factors that drive your credit score. Credit mix, as I said, is, is another factor that drives your score, um, as well as the length of time for which you've had credit, right? And that 
uh, goes back to the point of being an international student and and applying for your credit card only once you've had a social security number. So uh, since you are an international student, you may not have, you won't have that length of credit history, right? So it's tougher for other financial institutions to evaluate your credit score, especially when you don't have credit history. But over time, if you you know take out a credit card, if you're paying your loans on time, etc., you can uh, you can build that credit history and you'll see your score improving. Yeah, that it's great that you talked. You also mentioned the evaluation of credit scores. I wanted to uh, know. So, when did you actually get a credit score? Was it in uni? Was it after uni? Or did you have to inquire about it on your own? So, could you also tell us about that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in my case, I, as I said, I, I applied and, and got my first credit card. I, I think it was sometime after my summer internship. So, um, entering my senior year, I then used my credit card uh, with, issued by Bank of America for about a year. And I think the first time that my credit score was probably uh, checked would have been when I um, applied to rent an apartment in New York, which is where I worked right after graduation. And so that, that's something that would have been initiated by my landlord uh, at the time. Uh, and, and it's not just the landlord that you eventually uh, you know, rent from, but it's also if you're just applying for various rental properties, all of them will actually look at your, you know, they'll do a background check. Um, if you obviously grant them the permission to do so. So I think that's the first time that my credit score is probably, you know, pinged by them. But uh, the first time that I viewed it would have likely been with one of my two credit card, uh, one of my other two credit card issuers. Um, so I had taken out credit cards with Chase and with Barclay card, which also issued some pretty, uh, you know, cool uh, credit cards in the US. Uh, and as part of their platforms, they actually show you your, FICO score, I think on a monthly or bi-monthly basis. So you have the ability to, you know, look at that as often as you'd like. Great. And it's interesting that you mentioned um, the, the times when a credit score comes in use, when, as you mentioned, a landlord or general lenders are looking at you, your payment history and the amount you owe. But so this comes and begs the question that how do you actually improve your credit score over a certain period of time or actually when you start out? Yeah, you know, I think you know this is this is a very important question because you'll see as you uh, you know as you the first time you get a credit card your score might be lower, uh, but then over time just by virtue of the fact that you you're not doing anything differently you've just got a credit card now, um, as long as you're spending on your card and then you make sure that you're paying it on time, um, you you'll find that your credit score will improve all else being equal. Um, and again, this, you know, to answer your question, I'd go back to those five drivers of your credit score that I was talking about, right? So one is the payment history. So again, don't underestimate the, the importance of just paying your bill on time. Uh, that will help improve your credit score. Uh, if, you, if you miss your payment even by a day or two, that will negatively impact your credit score. So a lot of times, I, you know, I, I would suggest, and I, I do this myself, I just set up an auto pay um, you know, I link it to my bank account and I make sure that my bill is paid off on time because sometimes, you know, you'll invariably have things going on. You might have an assignment or a class the next day, or you might be working and you just don't have the time. Uh, you should have the time to do this, by the way, but just in case you don't, I think having an auto pay set up will, uh, it helps uh, mitigate against the possibility of paying late. So payment history is one, right? That's how you can increase your score when you think about payment history. 
But when you think of amounts owed, this is a slightly tricky one. Um, I would say, uh, you know, there are two ways you could do this. One is by, um, you know, increasing your credit line, right? If you, if you have a limit of $10,000, you could always, you know, take out a larger limit, but also make sure that you're spending um, uh, spending more, right? Uh, and I don't know how the proportions affect that, but that's something you can certainly, you know, research more as you actually get into uh, get into this and, and end up getting a credit card. Uh, length of credit history, again, the longer you have credit history for, the higher your score will be. I'll say it again, all else being equal, right? Um, and so, and then there's obviously credit mix, right? So I think having um, a diversified credit mix is more beneficial. And, and when, I, when I say diversified, I mean having a credit card, having a student loan, having a mortgage, having an auto loan potentially. That's not to say you should go ahead and, and just take out loans for the heck of it, but uh, you should look at ways in which you can expand your credit mix. I think the last factor that drives your credit score is the new credit that you're taking out. And that relates to like, let's say the number of credit cards that you have. Um, and so here I would caution against, you know, applying for every single credit card that looks attractive uh, and also applying to every single for every single credit card that looks attractive, just because you'll get these really cool um, and great sign on bonuses, uh, which will give you like free travel points and so on, which a lot of people, you know, like doing. And I think, again, there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you, uh, you know, you have a holistic view and you can make sure that you're paying your bills on time. And then there's also the fact that if you, that, you know, if you ever close a credit card for whatever reason, uh, that can have the negative impact of reducing your credit score because that ties directly to that last factor, which is new credit. So when your new credit is diminishing, then then you it it could negatively impact your score. But I think these are the ways in which you could increase uh, or improve your credit score. Right, that's quite interesting. And then just taking from this concept of payments, um, I'm sure another question that most of our listeners who are looking to apply or head towards uni would have would be towards this general trend of expenses at uni and how they're getting higher every year. And so this is something that links quite strongly with financial aid. So maybe could you talk a bit about financial aid as an international student applying to the U.S. or generally? So what exactly is financial aid? Sure. Um, so... Financial aid is essentially the funding that's provided to students, both domestic and international, to assist them in covering, uh, you know, the costs associated with attending college. Uh, and my understanding is that financial aid is typically either need-based or non-need or merit-based, right? Uh, and again, I think financial aid can be awarded in the form of grants, loans, scholarships, and even work-study grants. Um, and in order, you know, if, if you think about like applying for federal financial aid, students must first complete a form called the FAFSA form, which uh, I think in most cases, if not all, is limited to, you know, domestic citizens or U.S. citizens. Um, but I think there are a few opportunities for uh, international students to avail of financial aid um, in various forms, right? So, uh, if you think about the different sources of financial aid, you might have federal and state government grants, which to my understanding, again, to the best of my knowledge, is not available for international students. But if you think about financial aid that comes from educational institutions themselves, uh, that's where international students could potentially get some form of aid. Um, and 
I think a key avenue for this is the work study program where you might serve as, you might work part-time. Um, obviously you need to be in compliance with your F1 visa requirements uh, or whatever visa you're on um, as an international student in the US. Uh, and you should try and make sure that you're working the, the, you know, the required or, or within the maximum number of hours that you're allowed to work. Uh, and you could work in, you know, you could be a graduate student instructor or a GSI, as it's called in Berkeley. You could be a teaching assistant, a reader, a tutor. I think there are many different ways. You may even be able to support in research and get financial aid. But I think without fail, almost every institution, um, educational institution will have information on, um, you know, how they offer financial aid and to whom they offer it and the process for applying for it. Um, irrespective of whether you're you know, international student, um, an American student, and so on. Okay, so essentially, financial aid, right? That it's a really, uh, you know, it's a really important topic, but then there's also there are like the alternatives and, you know, something that's commonly, you know, discussed uh, is the student loan and, uh, you know, the debt crisis that's within the US and, you know, just doing, Bit of research and it's getting you know by it's getting worse so like from your knowledge is it even worth investing in a student loan yeah i think so that's a that's a tough one right I, i'd say it really depends on the individual situation and, and your personal circumstance um, you need to um, assess your ability to fund your education you need to assess your ultimate career goals which might be tough to do, especially going into your undergrad where you don't, most of the time you don't know what you want to do. Uh, and then you also need to assess the various sources of funding that you could get. So obviously, you know, one source is a student loan, uh, which is associated with typically with high interest rates, maybe not in the environment in which we are today or not so much, uh, but you'd certainly be paying a, a premium for being an international student if you take out a loan, um, a student loan in the US. Um, as opposed to taking out a federal loan for which you would then need a cosigner, a US-based cosigner. So there are added complexities there, but I'd say in many cases you take out a student loan because you have to, right? Uh, but I would say, you know, don't discount possibilities of getting financial aid. Um, a lot of times the, you may not get financial aid going into college, uh, but you might get it once you're in college, right? So you may not get it for your freshman year, but if you work hard, if you, you know, build relationships with professors and with a network of, uh, of professionals at your university, you might be able to find and carve out opportunities for yourself um, to do some kind of, engage in some kind of work study, which will give you financial aid. Um, but ultimately, the decision really rests with you, right? And, and again, you have to overlay this with what your ultimate career goals are. If you're looking to enter a field with stable um, or I'd say predictable returns, uh, let's say banking or consulting, you might be able to actually, you know, forecast your personal financial situation uh, more confidently um, than you could um, if you were entering a field that's a little less explored, right? Um, and, and so if that makes sense, I'd say that's really, it would really depend on your individual circumstance. But um, you could look certainly look at student loans, financial aid. You could also look at scholarships. I think that's another um, another source of funding that you shouldn't discount. Uh, being an international student, you are bringing a lot of diversity to the university that you go to. So um, apply, you know, do your research when you're going in, and even once you're there, 
uh, and make sure that you're considering all sources uh, that you are applying for all of the scholarships and financial aid opportunities on time uh, because that's another factor these deadlines will just come and go and, and you may miss them so uh, that's the advice that i would give uh yeah that's that's interesting because apart from student loans uh, we know the other you know other forms of minimizing costs where you know it might not be as significant but you know every every dollar you know helps out at the end of the day um so knowing that you um you know you did your undergrad at uh, uc berkeley um did you ever use student discounts to help you out yeah no i think that's a good question i think you know the the, the short answer is yes i did um i i think there's actually very little effort that you need to make to avail of student discounts so it's like a it's almost like a low hanging fruit right that's something you should take advantage of because you'll find plenty of uh, opportunities to utilize student discounts uh, in your day to day life so if you think about food right one of the biggest expenses for uh, for college students um, obviously in your freshman year you or maybe even in your sophomore year you might be part of the college meal plans uh, which is in general i think subsidized food in any case but if once you kind of get out of those plans you can find restaurants and cafes on campus and maybe off campus as well that have some kind of an affiliation with with Berkeley in this case or or with with your university wherever you go uh, and as long as you present your student id to them you might get a 5 10% discount uh, i think so student discount is one way you can you know minimize cost another way is just uh, it, it's another way of giving a student discount you know a lot of restaurants will just have uh student specials right so they won't give it to you in the form of a discount but they'll give you subsidized food so it's the same kind of concept but just applied in different contexts um and so i'd say absolutely student discounts you know you should avail of them um another area that i think you could use student discounts in is if you go to your local your local student store so if you need stationery if you need you know bags books and so on uh you can uh, a lot of the times these stores have deals for students uh but also if you think about another key expense right which is books uh, your textbooks uh, you'll find you could either buy new textbooks which in the us especially is pretty expensive uh, and it's tougher to uh, you know a lot of times people try to if they know what textbooks they're going to be using for a course uh with enough notice they can actually buy those books back home and then just bring them to the us for themselves right not to not to resell and and, and profit on that uh but if if you're doing that a lot of the times you won't be able to because you don't really know what books you'll need uh, in, in with such advance notice so uh i think one way you could optimize cost is by uh, renting books or by buying used books um and it this may sound obvious but you'll be surprised by the number of people that don't do that um and so um you could go to like at berkeley we had if i remember correctly the uh, it was a bookstore called meds and that's where we would basically um you know buy i think rented books we, we could rent books essentially for the semester uh, and you have to make sure that you maintain the quality of the books but you'd also have the ability to buy used books um and so that's another way in which you can uh, optimize costs right and then so you mentioned that yeah so you avail student discounts at berkeley and um it's it's quite an established um you know institution but so some you know some of our listeners will be wondering are these discounts offered particularly to the school you're attending or are there any other like you know major student discount providers that they should look out for and avail 
to say a smaller uni might not have a discount or like are there any other places they can get such discounts from yeah i think um, you know my understanding is that you know whichever university you go to um, typically the university is a big part of the college town that you go to right so in berkeley the university of california berkeley that campus is one of like the drivers of business in in, in the city of berkeley so you'll find a lot of local businesses i'm not talking chains I'm, i'm talking actually local businesses and bookstores and so on that that would offer those student discounts so i wouldn't you know i'm not quite sure if there are um, you know established restaurants or chains across the country that would offer similar student discounts everywhere but i think uh the the point is that a lot of local businesses uh, will offer you will likely offer you discounts depending on where you go um and a lot of the times all you need is your student id does that make sense yeah definitely and um i think uh, a lot of what you said today was extremely relevant and extremely useful thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge and experiences and for everyone watching make sure to stay tuned for more interviews from paradise thank you that's it